We're coming in hot with inspiring guests, witty banter, and colorful commentary for today's veterans and military community. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Alphas, welcome back to the show. It is the end of January of 2023. We've made it so far. Ashley, I'm just wondering if, like the rest of us, because uh, you're very determined and you stick to things like that running thing every day for however many years, are all your, do you make resolutions? Are they still intact or? No, my life is one big resolution. No, I don't make resolutions. I just do things, Jeff, and move on. You do things ever that start January 1st. Yeah, and then I, they last through the whole year. And yeah, so I guess you could call that a resolution. I just call that life. No, I don't really do things like that. I do them and then they never end. Like my running thing. I have my eight-year running anniversary on January 26th. Um, so the things, I just don't end things. I'm bad at quitting. You're bad at quitting. <laughs> All right. I'm a, I'm an, I'm excellent at that. As long as it, no one else is, no one else is depending on me. Uh, I'll quit on myself all the time. That's actually a sad. Go. That's a sad story. This is real sad. <laughs> Maybe that should be my resolution, but like most people I know it's January 31st and they've all failed their resolutions, all of them. So I think mm. now it's time for, you know, we got Valentine's day coming up soon. I think it's time for, Reaffirm your love for self, and then maybe we won't uh, we won't fall off the wagon so quickly. You know who does has resolutions? Who recruiters? And they are they don't that wouldn't call them resolutions, but it might be a nice way to to say it. You could you could say, "Have you met your resolutions this year, recruiters?" <laughs> Uh, that would be a whole different approach. That would be a very Air Force approach, which leads <laughs> us into military.com. Now you can send recruiters after almost anyone using updated Air Force app. This is super interesting. So Air Force recruiters want anyone, civilian or service member, who has a smartphone in their pocket, which is all of us, except for maybe my grandma, who, you know, she just keeps an iPad in there. If you have a smartphone in your pocket to recruit people to become an airman by submitting their info to the service's main recruiting office, and it's a new feature on the Air Force's Aim High smartphone application announced Thursday, <laughs> Aim High will allow anyone to submit information on a person's behalf, and the service will forward it to a local recruiter in hopes of getting them to join the ranks. But there's a problem. It doesn't appear that the new feature offers any way to screen or verify that the person whose information is being submitted wants to be contacted by a recruiter and is truly interested, which could lead to people spamming or bothering those who don't want to become an airman. Who wouldn't, first of all, read? <laughs> so basically, like any potential lead is funneled to our lead refinement and call center, who then reach out to see if the person is interested in joining, um, which is a spokesperson for the Air Force Recruiting Service told military.com. When asked whether there's a way to prevent unwanted calls or contact, if they are not, then it is closed out uh, if they're not interested. So they're going to call everyone up in the in the whole United States. And so the new update to the Air Force's Aim High app allows anyone who has downloaded the software to refer a friend or enemy 
could be anybody. Uh, the app uh, asks for a name, email, phone number, and zip code. All of those pieces of information are available for most Americans in public internet directories, but users can also submit optional information on their friends that is more private, such as date of birth, height, weight, education level, and favorite foods, which is an interesting twist. You throwing me on there, good. Oh yeah, I'm, sub <laughs> I'm submitting. I'm submitting some people. You should submit me. You should, you should do it. What do you think about that? I think it's bat whoopsie daisy crazy. Um, it is whoopsie daisy. You're right. <laughs> it, it's and I I get that the, that the armed forces right now has some challenges, but this seems a little much. Well, first of all, I don't know if you, you, you know, when you Google your name and then it knows everywhere you've lived and all of those things, I, apparently there's like, now I'm going to say apparently, who knows, Ashley's not that bright, but she was told that uh, states and counties sell your information to those public databases. That's why you, you have to go in and actually remove it from like the white pages, from all the various uh, organizations that compile all that. So it's super easy to just go and be like, oh, I've got my my buddy from high school that bullied me's uh phone number i'm going to send a recruiter their way it just to me it seems like a tremendous waste of time for recruiters having to weed through all of that oh yeah and only the air force would have what is this um the lead refinement and call center uh, i can't imagine the marine corps it's a call center i can't have i can't imagine the marine corps having a building with that on the front of it where are you working today? Uh, well, I'm at the lead refinement and call center. That's the call center. You got your knife? Yep. <laughs> Don't go anywhere with that. Through, we're cutting through red tape today is the most important thing I'm going to say all day. Red tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The I don't know. It's I got I had the pleasure to join, hang out with the Marine Recruiting Squadron in Kansas City. Kansas City, young guns. They gave me this fantastic uh, Marine mug. And I got to see how hard the Marines work. The Marines meet their targets. They do not mess around. They are working from like six, five, six a.m. every day until 11, 12 o'clock at night. They have no Sorry. lives. <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. They I, they work so hard to recruit in the Marines. And I got to go through how they do it. And they just go out in public in their um, dress uniforms uh, you know, the uh, different types Best because blue. they're not allowed to wear the Yeah. The, so they go out and they look fancy. They go into like a Dick's Sporting Goods. That's what we did. And we tried to recruit uh, people that looked like they might be interested. And it worked. I, it was like they got phone numbers. And I was just I was amazed when they they would use their leads, which didn't come from their lead refinement center. When they would call, <laughs> they I hung out with them while they made phone calls to people who answered the phone. They got 18, 19, 20 year olds to answer the phone. They didn't know who that number was. And they're just like, hey, what are you doing? How, well, you, you got any plans? And you got to kind of hear how it all works. And they're also, I always thought Marines would be super pushy and be like, oh, you don't want to, why don't you want to do it? But they weren't, they were, they just kind of listened to them and go, okay, well, if you don't mind, I'll give you a call later. Uh, and let's see if we can make this work. So well, man, I don't know. There are different recruiters that employ different tactics. When when I got recruited, you want to hear the Jeff Daly origin story? Uh, Absolutely. I walked into the recruiting office because I had this Renaissance man vision for my life, which I did not say to a Marine, by the way. Um, and I figured that 
you can only be a warrior up to a certain point in your life. So I'm like, let's get this out of the way now. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm the easiest, I'm the easiest sign signee that you're going to get today. If you don't whoopsie daisy me, I'm totally taking your word, uh, your phrase. If you don't whoopsie daisy me and just get her done. And they had to slow me down. They're like, slow down. Yeah. Yeah, take some tests do your thing and whatever i said whatever i have a couple of hours if we can get that yeah. done and which is the last time i ever dictated anything to, anything to the marines to the marine corps <laughs> but but it's it's I, I think this is weird i also related i was going to put it in rapid fire but i did not the air okay. force is also uh, waving, I think automatically, you don't even apply for it, um, recruits that show up with THC in their system, giving a new use of the phrase, aim high. That's yes. oh, a positive with THC in their system. Well, here's the problem. You walk through any major city now, you end up with THC in your system. It <laughs> everywhere. See, there seems to be pot. Does a, contact, does a contact high show up? Is that concentrated? I don't know. No. I I've never done it, but I feel like I have because I've I've walked through New York City. Well, that's contact and Seattle. You may have gotten a contact high. You you sound like you might, might be contact high right now. I don't That's know. how I got this haircut. <laughs> Me too. Should we compare again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. People I'm saw that. Side. People saw, see us do that in the intro now every week. So I guess I'm stuck. We're stuck with this for one year. Okay. So there you go. You know who probably did not get recruited in by an app is a, a young man joining us today, Jeffrey Engel, Chairman and President of Conquest Cyber. He leads a team that works to help protect critical American assets from ongoing cyber attacks using the philosophies and tactics he learned in special operations. We'll be right back with Jeffrey Engel right after the break. When our nation's veterans came home from serving their country, the American Legion helped them with the GI Bill to get a head start. When they came home from Vietnam, we helped those affected with Agent Orange to get care and compensation. Now, there is a new war raging. Unfortunately, it is being fought in the hearts and minds of those who served. Veteran suicide is the most important issue facing veterans today, and too many are battling it alone. So join us. Make the pledge. Be the one to help the American Legion end veteran suicide. All right, Alphas, we are back with uh, Jeffrey Engel, as promised. And today we're going to get cyber security edified here today. Welcome to the Tango Alpha Lima experience. I love your first name, Jeff. Yeah, it worked out great. Yeah. It's going to be very it, confusing for Ashley, I'm sure. That's right. <laughs> Well, um, we are here, and we're uh, we're 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 glad to have you here, and we're going to get started. And uh, our first, uh, I was going to ask the first question, but Ashley hacked the agenda, and she's gonna she's gonna go first. Oh, I am all in with taking over. Thank you so much, Jeff. And Jeff, let me ask this of you. Thanks for being here today. It's great to meet you. Um, so you have special ops background. 
you have, and now you're into this cybersecurity stuff. How do you link the two? Is there a link? Is there cool things with both? Um, how do you pair them together? Yeah. So I, I've gone to the to the sound of the guns my entire career. So whatever I thought was the greatest threat to national security and whoever was doing it the right way. So uh, when I started with cyber, the 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 baseline I had of, of how to do things the right way came out of my experience in special operations. So, you know, even though it was 10 years, you know, nearly 10 years removed, when I started building uh, my cybersecurity company, I, I built it like an, in a JSOC organization, uh, the Joint Special Operations Command after you know, Desert One and its formation you know, requiring people to work together effectively to, to accomplish shared missions when they're all, uh, you know, when traditional stovepipes will fail. Um, so that's how I brought special operations to cyber. And then I've been bringing special operators, you know, post um, military transition. And now we're working on bringing people in there who are actually still technically in the military in that transition phase into the fold because it is all the same. It's all war, it's all risk management. Um, it just happens that it's, you know, bits and bytes versus, you know, bullets and gunpowder, you know, gunpowder. So um, I've seen a direct translation and it's it's now just a new domain of war. And so while you're, while you're doing this in your, your company, uh, who, who are your, who's your typical client or do you work for the government or, and, and yeah. what do you do to protect them without giving away trade secrets, obviously? Yeah. Um, so we only support uh, critical infrastructure sectors and national critical functions. So my company is very mission focused on cyber resiliency against our, our national security adversaries. Uh, so, you know, the critical infrastructure sectors, you, you know, a lot of people think, you know, this is, you know, trains, planes, automobiles, uh, and it is, but it's so many other things, you know, financial services industry, healthcare systems, you know, dams, energy companies, oil and gas, all of them provide, you know, for our way of life. And if they were to go down, it would have devastating consequences. So it allowed us, it, you know, to, to Ashley's question, allowed us to easily align because they're part of the battlefield. You know, the front line has moved to their front porch across all of these different sectors and include food and agriculture and all the way down to, you know, to gas stations and, and trucking companies. Um, and then national critical functions, those are the things typically provided by government, things like protecting election systems and, and, and the like, and social, and social uh, network support, you know, for people who are, you know, Medicare or, or elderly, uh, where they're dependent on, on the government in some way, shape or form. So I, I say we, you know, we support everything from, you know, the, the Department of Defense and, and the associated communities that live in the classified world all the way down to small community banks. Um, but they're all part of that integrated ecosystem. Um, and what we do is unified cyber resiliency management. So essentially what um, a, a task force would do um, from a military standpoint where they're kind of self-insulated able to have all the necessary functions to support a campaign against an adversary. That's similar approach to what we take in cyber. Uh, we act as an extension of their, of their team and we provide all the necessary you know, skills, technologies, capabilities to be able to compete 
uh, and gain a competitive edge, you know, as, you're, as they're going toe-to-toe with nation-state advanced persistent threats. Very cool. Now, I'm going to jump in here uh, real quick because I was going to, one of my questions later is is kind of coming up. I've had some in-depth discussions with friends of mine who are really into cybersecurity. We we removed password as our password last year. We're way, we're, we're deep. Um, so we were talking about what our next, what, are the, what is the likelihood, I know you're on the job, so you're gonna say zero. What is the likelihood that we're gonna be, like our grid or banking system or the stock exchange could be taken could be taken down because to me that's that's uh, crippling to us if any of those were to go down I don't think uh, I don't think an enemy is gonna be successful attacking our shores uh, so to speak but this this could be a way in for them yeah so the problem is serious and the probability is definitely not zero. Um, you know, there are roughly 400,000 organizations that make up critical infrastructure. Many of them are not, um, you know, owned, operated, or controlled by the government. And as we've seen, even the government is susceptible, you know, to uh, nation state level attacks. And we saw with solar winds that, you know, infected many of the, or it, it was a problem that was faced by many of our federal agencies. So take all of the, the money, the, the, the massive amounts that are spent on cybersecurity within our federal government, and now look at them failing, and now translate it over to our critical infrastructure sectors that are regulated by the government. But they're still, in many cases, businesses or municipalities with, with nothing near the level of budget that our, our federal uh, counterparts have. You know, there's organizations of, you know, billion dollar organizations that have two people in their cybersecurity staff. Um, so are we susceptible to it? Absolutely. Um, is it going to happen? Definitely. Is it going to happen in a coordinated way that we uh, are not going to be able to recover from? Uh, that's what I'm trying to avoid. You know, there's a, there's a saying, the moral of this dangerous nightmare story is a simple one. Don't let it happen. Um, and you know, that's why that's why I get up every day and do what I do. But it's going to take all of us. It's not just you know uh, the private sector companies. It's changing the mindset in those you know critical infrastructure organizations, their operators, their leadership, changing a regulator's mindset, changing the mindset of the typical American who you know is putting things out on you know YouTube or Instagram or TikTok that they don't realize it's open source intelligence that can be used to target their, you know, the, the critical infrastructure sector. Um, and it's the industry, you know, the, the what I'm a part of, we are, you know, incentivized through venture capital and private equity to just focus on growth and have a niche rather than to solve big problems that are much more complicated, take more time, and, and ultimately require different types of, of focus and investment than venture capital and private equity firms are supporting. So really, we, we need a, a movement towards a real shift in our mindset uh, to mobilize against the, the level of threats that we face on a day-to-day -day basis, because they are already there. I think if there's one takeaway, it's not that we're concerned about, you know, Russian and Chinese and Iranian and other, you know, technical 
boots on the ground landing in our critical infrastructure sector networks. They're already there. We just you know, are trying to avoid having them be there and be able to take actions on the objective when their geopolitical interests drive them to and have that be devastating for us to where we can't respond rapidly, recover quickly, and ultimately regain a competitive edge to disincentivize them taking actions on the objective. Wow. I mean, um, go ahead. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, no, please. Uh, you're saying that they all of those things already exist and they're sort of like sleeping, waiting, <laughs> is what it, what it sort of feels like. Are we doing that as well? Do we do that to other countries? I mean, it, it would be malpractice if we didn't. Uh, I mean, it would, what, you'd think it would make sense, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm of the mindset that if, if I can come up with it, somebody else can too, whether it be an adversary or, you know, or people within our, our government. But when you pull together people who think the way that I think, special operators who think about how to, um, to exploit weaknesses in an adversary, ultimately to maintain a competitive edge. We know that there are people around, around the world, some of them currently characterized as our allies, that it would be malpractice for them and their national defense apparatus not to be trying to, to keep us at bay, right? Through, because they're never gonna be able to, to gain a competitive edge when you talk about our, the Navy or Air Force or, or you know, ground troops, but anybody, yeah, with some compute power can, can gain access to things that we care about here, which ultimately may be what prevents us from intervening in, in their conflicts where, you know, we've had a tendency to do historically. So, you know, all around, you know, I'm, a, I'm an American, I'm a patriot, I've, I've spent my life serving and I want to win, but I also have a, a, a healthy respect for our adversaries and potential adversaries because they're not crazy, you know. Being in our critical infrastructure networks is the logical thing to do if you're on, on the other side of the table. Uh, so I know they're doing it. Now, how do we maintain our competitive edge, stop them from, from having access, limit their ability to maintain persistent access, identify when they're there, and ultimately, if, we, if it ever gets to a point where uh, they feel like it's in their interest to take action, we're able to detect it early, respond quickly, yeah, and, re and recover in a way that, that deters them from, from doing that in the future. Wow. Um, you, you brought something up uh, about, you know, regular citizens not understanding how they may, may be helping to compromise. Is my DJI drone actually going to bring down this nation? And how is, is that just, is that just politics? looking at china and blaming china for things or is my drone yeah. actually giving actual intelligence data it's so yeah. awkward you're outside so, you're just walking around uh, and you got some guy taking pictures of you it's weird what are you doing that for jeff yeah <laughs> well, i don't do that but i am curious yeah. if if i actually yeah. pose a threat yeah so you know any um any drop of water if politically advantageous could be made to, to be the thing that drowns you. Um, the reality is it's not necessarily your drone, um, your individual drone and what you do with it. But when you proliferate thousands of drones 
and people don't have the context for what it is that they're looking at, there's there's absolutely the potential for the the big data analytics, the collection of that that video that's you know um, that's all being captured to help create a measures and signals intelligence, or uh, you know really treat it could be even an open source intelligence mechanism that connects a dot for the intelligence systems of our adversaries. So your drone, yeah, I don't know where you hang out and where you're flying it and, and that type of thing. Individually is that drop of water, um, but all of them together may be, may be the bathtub that we drown in. So it's just a, you know, I think that's where the individual citizenry comes in. Like I'm, I am a freedom absolutist. So I don't want to tell you, you can't use TikTok. I don't want to tell you things like you shouldn't be using your drone. What I do want to tell you is you need to understand the implications of what you're doing and make sure that you are as little of the problem as as possible while not impeding you know your freedom. So that's that's my view, and I know there's there's no way to live in a free society and maintain absolute security and absolute protection of you know of of where sensitive, you know, uh, vehicles are, troop movements. Uh, and I think everybody in the, with a, a level of uh, understanding and, and uh, personality that's generally reasonable sees, you know, if you're in uh, Northern Virginia, that's where DARPA is driving around the new vehicles. If you're, you know, Chinese uh, or Russian or whoever espionage operation, where are you putting them? You're putting those people in those areas and they're taking pictures of the, of the new DARPA vehicle that's driving around. So you, there's no absolutes in this. It's just uh, small changes that incrementally over time make us more or less resilient to, to our adversaries and maintain or lose the competitive advantage. Well, the, the, thing, that, the thing that strikes me uh, specifically about the, the drone over regular picture taking is uh, I'm being told, or I think we're being told that this thing flying around can transmit all the way back to China. I lose remote control after, you know, a few hundred yards. I, I can't see it transmitting back anywhere. I assume what they're saying is when we upload the things to our laptops to edit and make, make cool videos, that that software is what's probably sending it through the, through the internet. Is, is that the actual yeah. danger and can't we just set up a firewall yeah. thing? Thing. So, yeah, there, 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 uh, there are things that you can do. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. One of the, the things that my company does is we monitor the networks, you know, of our, of our customers to detect adversaries. And we, and in doing so we can identify if they've already been compromised or there's, uh, there are vulnerabilities that are easily exploitable. And the thing that causes, me the most pain as a, as a business leader is when one of our customers enrolls personal devices into their into their active directory so i start seeing what's on the personal devices even though it's not company information necessarily i can see some of the uh easily exploitable or already exploited characteristics of their personal devices oh. that uh is the thing that should give you pause your laptop at home your phone all of that you know, if it connected to, to somebody who actually knew what they were looking at to be able to identify, you know, vulnerabilities and, and adversaries that are already there. Yeah, I'm going to tell you that, you know, 
those websites that you thought that nobody knew you were going to, hey, they've already infected your computer with malware. Uh, and anything you upload now may not be under your control or somebody may be able to remotely gain access to your, your device. So the, um, the unfortunate part about this is it's easy through automation to apply that really broadly. Right? So you spend something up and it has access to the internet, it immediately gets probed. It's not some, some you know, guy in a, you know, in a building in Russia or China that's doing it. It's automation that they've created that's able to go and take those actions, you know, even at, the, at speeds that humans could never achieve. So when you look at, you know, adding and uploading and that type of thing, you're, you're thinking about trying to protect a particular data type. Problem is everything that you have is already likely compromised uh, because we just don't have the, the same level of cyber hygiene with our individual capability systems that we have even with business systems and business systems are generally speaking a dumpster fire. So whatever is worse than a dumpster fire is probably what you have sitting at home, you know, uh, you know, on your personal computer. Wow. Comforting. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I thought we were keeping it light today, right? Keep it, keep it light, double Jeffs. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the new artificial intelligence. Well, I guess it's not terribly new, but more widespread artificial intelligence artwork um, where they can recreate photographs and artwork and paintings and things like that. I, when I play around with it, uh, I'll type in certain things and you can see that it's learning and that it's going to be good right now. It sort of looks like you're playing on a like a PlayStation 2. Uh, <laughs> we played like modern warfare on a PlayStation 2, but it's going to be better. And then I think ultimately what we're what we're doing is sowing a sense of distrust. So why would I trust that you were actually in that picture? Why would I trust that you were at the movies? You can be put in anything now and it happens in seconds. And uh, like the, you, when you look at them now, uh, you can kind of tell, but you have to look closely. They'll have like extra fingers or like too many teeth or something like that. But they look like people, but they're people that don't exist. They were just totally made up by, by the artificial intelligence. So at some point, and I'm sure we're heading there. It's going to, that's going to be bad. So how, and how do you not use that? How do you know that that was created artificially? Let's say you're being, you've been arrested for yeah. something, uh, you, you know? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. The concept of reasonable doubt is definitely evolving as technology gets more advanced. I mean, you think about, you know, people who committed murders, you know, 60 years ago, they weren't worried about DNA. They were only worried about fingerprints. And then, you know, before that, we didn't have the concept of fingerprints and tracking. It creates a whole ecosystem around it of people who have to be able to um, solidly execute the forensic analysis at a level that um, will dispel reasonable doubt. Um, so when I think about the you know, technology advancement, I'm not a proponent of you know going back to the abacus, right, or not giving kids calculators. I'm in the world of, you know, I think about the military application, the national security application, the, the way that it impacts our lives and on a daily basis. And there is a threshold with, you know, technology advancement and AI that I think we have, you know, is, is best compared to the advancement from, you know, the, the slingshot to the bow and arrow to the musket to, you know, uh, a five, you know, 500 pound bomb ultimately to, you know, now uh, hypersonic intercontinental ballistic missiles armed with nuclear warheads. 
I think we're going to see the same thing where there are going to be more and more controls put on some of the more advanced, you know, elements of, of AI, but things that don't, that have the utility uh, and the novelty like that, you know, they're probably going to end up getting regulated to a degree, but not nearly to the degree of things that, that are going to have, you know, fundamental impacts on our, on our ability to, to live our way of life and, and our national security. Uh, I think there will be the hypersonic, you know, missile, you know, nuclear tips equivalent when it comes to technology that we're going to have to say this is beyond the, the pale and we're going to have to try and, and limit the, you know, um, the who can access it, how they control it. And I think quantum computing coupled with, with AI is really putting us in this, this precipice where um, we would not have had the level of control around nuclear weapons if we did not have, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So there is going to have to be a catalyzing event that causes us to to, to define what is beyond the pale. A 2,000 pound you know, Moab still gets used, but not a tactical nuke. Right? And that's for a reason, um, because we drew a, a clear defining line as a, as a people um, where that's beyond anything that, that uh, the populace of not just the country, but the world would tolerate. So it's, it's, it's a scary proposition that's definitely coming and it's coming faster than I think anybody uh, can imagine. I think that's a really good point that we, you know, when something, I think as a country, traditionally, when, when something tremendously tragic happens, we come together, right? Uh, look at September 11th. Now, the, the thing about that is, though, so I do a lot of stuff on the, on the internet. I do, a lot, I'm a comedian, so I put out a lot of clips. And I, I had talked about September 11th at one point, and uh, I got a comment from somebody that was in, like, early high school, and they said, uh, I don't understand why we have to keep learning about this. They said, you need to heal from your trauma. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and so I think that you have that passage of time and then people get more removed from it and, and they just lose. Um, it just doesn't seem as real to the people that were alive at the time or or can even just process it. So I think just bringing that stuff up, continuing to talk about it is super important. When that happened, I made a video and I had people share the stories of where they were and that was uh, really powerful. But I just, um, I think that you're right that like what, what, I mean, it would have follow on effects, but if all of our electrical grid got wiped out, you know, I think we'd be like, shoot, this was real. Uh, how do we, how yeah. do we go from here and how do we protect each other? Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I think about that all the time. I know exactly where I was, you know, on September 11th. Um, I my you know my my grandfather fought in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. My brother was born on Pearl Harbor Day. I, if you don't, if you and I live now, you know, in the Nashville area, where you know, site of major battles from our Civil War, and knowledge is not necessarily trauma. Right. Um, and I think that's an important distinction. If you forget what happened in history, we will repeat it. And unfortunately, um, the real value to your point that we have as Americans is when we we come together. You know, uh, we are we're a melting pot of a country that's that's had you know decades of being uh, geographically you know um, advantaged over the rest of the world. I mean, we we have relatively friendly nations on our north and south and we have massive oceans on our east and west and we you basically can get any 
any type of environment that you want somewhere in the U.S., which means natural resources. And we've embraced this innovation freedom that I think has allowed us to, to come together when things get really hard. Unfortunately, our history is we don't solve problems and, you know, and come together until something smacks us in the mouth. And we, September 11th was probably preventable. We could have entered the war, you know, in World War II before Pearl Harbor, to where we we had indications and warnings of, of you know the Japanese you know uh, fleet attacking. But we wait until the power grid goes down and they take out our oil and gas network, so we can't refuel the generators at hospitals. And four days later, people start dying in the ICU. Hmm. Uh, it's unfortunate, but that's the kind of catalyzing event that it takes for us to to. Stop our political divisions, you know, and and jockeying and and come together to solve really hard problems. Um, I know we will. Right? I'm I'm not concerned about you know our ability to react. I am concerned about how resilient we are and how a a what I consider to be a relatively simple style of attack can have devastating consequences for us, not on a day. Um, or get us into a 20-plus year-long war that, you know, causes, you know, casualties and, and psychological trauma and, you know, um, financial implications for us. But, you know, actually never be who we were, never be the you know, Americans who, who were able to come together or never be able to rebuild and regain our position in the world and always live in the fear of what's happening on the other side of the computer screen. Um, and, and that's really what, you know, we want to avoid. What I, what I, when, when Ashley said that, um, one of the things I was thinking is the the trauma from that comes from nine eleven is still happening. Um, uh, people are yeah. people are living in the aftermath of of that event, and to not remember it, uh, why do they think? Why do they think we're we're everywhere in the world that we are? It doesn't make any sense. And then the the AI piece, it's like no one ever watched Black Mirror. Um, it's the actual, and uh, the actual cyber, and I'm always, when things get brought up, I always try to link them back to what, what, your, what your purpose is here. So the AI thing, to me, the real danger is in espionage. You can, you can, you can delegitimize uh, leaders by, creating a picture of them with a proverbial goat uh, to go back and and you know what they do why is somebody doing that oh somebody else must have a picture of them uh, in a compromising position with a goat and you can make that stuff real that isn't real mm-hmm. that's scary now my actual question i want to get we have a lot of veterans here we have we have Marines that get in trouble all the time. So what I kind of want to know is when we see people on, when we see people in the news and they do something stupid online, they say something stupid online, uh, they always claim that they were hacked. I need, I need to know, and I'm 20% joking here. I need to know what things I could say to actually convince somebody that I was hacked the next time I say something stupid. 
Next time I piss Holly, super producer, off, I need her to not think that I actually did it. That somebody else. No, did. yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's easy. All you have to do is be the first. Right. The problem that people make when they want to come up with a uh, a storyline like that is they wait until it gets so bad and so many people know about it that they respond with, oh, I was hacked. Now, if the first, remember, the lie gets halfway around the earth before the truth gets boots on, you can invert that, right? Just all you have to do is find somebody who's claimed to be an expert three times and have them say he was definitely hacked and it's not real. And since the forensic capability, who's going to go into forensics and evaluate whether or not you actually said that stupid thing? All you have to do is get somebody that's willing to, that you can claim as an expert to kill that immediately. You gotta, you know, you gotta, you know, kill those scenarios while it's still in the crib. So next time you say something stupid, I'll give you my card. And, and I, you say, hey, here's you got what one I said. Expert. Like, All right, here's, yeah, here's what happened. Right? Uh, I'll give you the storyline, you know, problem solved. All right. That's uh, and, then, so and then oh. and then never yeah and then never give your laptop to uh, a computer repair shop because Hunter Biden has proven that that's that's a bad idea and that information is going to get out. You do give, it, you take to the, the hard squad. Drive, <laughs> yeah, you get you get a thermite grenade, place it on top of it, you know, pull the pin and, and walk away. Which you can buy at your local Walmart. <laughs> Probably. Well, yeah, so, we've all we, we've all got some we've all got some prepper friends. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm sure we got some people who've got some grades. Oh yeah. So that's news you can use out there, alphas. Um, you know now. I, God, this is an invaluable episode. We now know how to uh, fake uh, photos with AI, and now we know how to mm -hmm. to lie our way out of saying something stupid online, so that we can be employable and not get canceled. That's if I can survive, if I can survive this year um, with Ashley without getting canceled, I'm going to call to win. And we're going to say AI, it was AI. We didn't, we never recorded that. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the other, the other option, Jeff, is to, is to just never use your real name. Because the, everybody's got a doppelganger. Okay? Um, and the last option, which I'm not advocating for, is. <laughs> You just don't say anything stupid. Like what? you could avoid that. Right? Yeah. The problem is that saying something stupid is, is has a timestamp on it. So what you say today may be completely reasonable, and in, in 15 years, when it gets pulled up on you know from from somebody's YouTube archive by a you know Chat GPT 27.6, <laughs> yeah, they're and they're going through and identifying anybody who has this particular profile saying these types of keywords. Yeah, it may still bite you in the future as uh, as many people I think have, have experienced around this whole getting canceled thing. So, right, like you yeah, just referenced, that thing, deny everything, make counter accusations. <laughs> you just referenced uh, version twenty seven point six. Who knows in the future that might that might be code. Maybe that version uh, is anti government. Now you're you're linked to it, sir. Well, there you go. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think we've all learned something here. I've learned that um, I'm not nearly as smart as other people named Jeff and that it discourages me. Uh, Ash, you got any last words? 
Thank you so much for uh, being on board with us today. I am, I'm just going to be terrified. I'm going to go move uh, under a cave and I guess I'll just, I'll start prepping. Hey. <laughs> so here's what I tell everybody. If you want, if you want somebody to, to, to give you a scary story that keeps you up at night, I'm your guy. At the same time, realize I sleep, I sleep very, very good because I, it, I have a plan. And it's not prepping. I don't have a, you know, someplace out in the woods. I'm going to take, I have a plan. I'm going to do everything I possibly can about preventing it. But I'm also on most people's zombie apocalypse 18. Like if the worst does happen, yeah, I got, I, I'm a jujitsu black belt, a, you know, a pilot, you know, I can shoot pretty well from my soft experience. So like, and I know how to make a fire, like even on the other side of that dangerous nightmare future. Yeah. I've got a few arrows in my quiver. So that's what nice. I would recommend to people. Yeah. Be prepared for the worst. No, but for what you've been telling us all day, those, those physical, I guess, leg, I guess we're now calling them legacy warfare situations are not the scariest thing anymore. You're going to show up at Halloween and you're going to tell ghost stories and you're going to tell ghost stories. You're going to tell uh, hacking stories and, talk about grids being taken down and people are gonna people are gonna what, what's whoopsie daisy themselves whoopsie make, daisy yeah. my thing yeah. remember the day when i forgot to turn off yeah. my vpn <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's funny you bring the, the conventional thing up because this is the last thing i'll say um i have a, a close friend of mine that i work with he's uh, he always says hey at least we're not getting shot at and i and you know I, I had the, the good fortune or misfortune, however you phrase it, of, of spending a lot of time in combat. And I'll tell you, I would rather get shot at than have somebody with the with an AI picture of me and a goat. Right. There we go. Now we got the cover art for this podcast episode. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> it was wonderful to talk talk with you today. We I feel like we've learned a lot. And uh, Jeff Daly, you want to take us? You got anything yeah, else? Yeah, we got alphas. You've you picked up some tips and tricks here. You've also uh, have a new case of. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting words. Is scaring me so much uh, when you can't sleep. Come on, somebody help me. Insomnia. Insomnia. Yes, you have new reasons for insomnia. Uh, thanks to that Jeff, not this Jeff. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about everything that Jeff has talked about, but in he's not gonna know about it unless. He uploaded some kind of bot into Super Producer's recording of this. Then he'll know about it sooner than later. Um, but we're going to be right back, and I'm going to hope that you're going to join us. You know when, after the break. Advancing the vision. Advancing the vision. The American Legion educates, mentors, and leads new generations of Americans. We are veterans strengthened in America. We are the American Legion. All right, welcome back from the break. Ashley and I are here as promised, and we're going to discuss uh, the topic and our guest today. Do you have any takeaways? Ashley? Yeah, I'm going to basically take every electronic device and I don't know, burn it. I don't, I just, I'm just terrified. <laughs> there's, there's so, there's so many different things to think about. I'm glad that people like Jeff exist that are looking into it and 
what I think we really need to do is try to make cybersecurity sexy. If we can do that, our country will be safer. We can start by changing the name on my A-L-E-X-A device. And uh, mm -hmm. she could talk real, real nice. She could be nice. <laughs> 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 I also want her to be my friend. I think maybe she could help me in this, but I because yeah. I don't want her as an enemy. I don't want. You can't trust her. You can't trust Alexa. You can't trust. She's not her. on your side. No. no, I mean, and I use I use her a lot. When we were in Florida, one of the things that annoyed me was the mm -hmm. fact that uh, I had to touch light switches again. Oh really? I walked in the room saying. <laughs> Turn on the bathroom light. It didn't happen. Do this. Do, turn on the TV. Didn't happen. I mean, ugh, touching nasty, whoopsie daisy covered light switches. Yep. Gross. <laughs> you're you're probably gonna you have need to provide a portable, me. Alexa. You're probably gonna have to provide me with other rated G alternatives so they don't say whoopsie daisy for everything. You don't have to do it today. We'll introduce okay. people slowly. We don't give them. We don't want to give them too much. I think I did also at some point say Jiminy Crickets, which is He's, another. Uh, so whoopsie daisy, Jiminy Crickets, and then we'll go from there. All right, what the hoot nanny is going on up in here? All right, <laughs> now we are going to move on. These ones today are medium rapid. Um, all right, here we go. Our favorite up. Our favorite time of the day, and you've seen us do this in our. In our preview, if you watch us on uh, on the intertube, on the YouTube, it's time for rapid fire. Can I now? All right. The rapid fire number one. Veterans can now experience the smell of freedom long after leaving yeah. the military. The smell of napalm in the morning might smell like victory, but everyone knows that freedom smells like jet fuel usually in the mm -hmm. form of jp8 the military's name for its widely used aviation fuel there's nothing that brings many of us back to our days in the military especially airmen like the smell of burning jet fuel unless you live next to an airport however chances are good that's not a smell that gets in your nose very often this reads like a commercial not a news story this is amazing it no longer has to be this way Land Lakes, Florida-based Billington Farms has produced a candle that replicates the smell of jet fuel. The Navy struggles to keep actual jet fuel out of their water supplies, but the candle brings all the flight time, flight line nostalgia without the carcinogens. So basically, mm -hmm. it's not a realistic experience, and I'm done with it. What do you yeah. think, Ashley? There's no carcinogens. There's no carcinogens, which is what I'm here for in my candles. Um, I would love to see that being offered at a Yankee candle. I think that would be great <laughs> when I was. So both my parents are helicopter mechanics. When I grew up, everything smelled like jet fuel grease. Uh, it was just everywhere. But my dad, we're going to say, let's go with borrowed a lot of JP8. Uh, just we had a big, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred gallon tank in the backyard that he surrounded with just a little fence that you would might like keep your dog behind. But behind there was just <laughs> a bunch of gas, <laughs> bunch of, bunch of fuel. And then uh, we had diesel cars and we would have a pump in the backyard and just pump our cars full of gas. And so it really brought back memories for me. So I think I'll just buy him this candle. 
You're going to buy him this candle. Yeah. <laughs> he appropriated is what he did. Yeah. 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 Still. Stole? No. What did you say? When he's dead, I'll say stole. Okay. When, he's, when he dies, I'll say he stole it. You can't speak yep. ill of the deceased. Come on now. Oh, I can and do. Oh, you do. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, we're going to we're going to leave the jet fuel candles. Please, if anybody out there gets one, let us know if it takes you back. All right, we're going to rapid fire number pew pew two. Pew pew. The risk of too much or any alcohol. This is in the American Legion magazine of all places by my good friend Jennifer Campbell, who I know loves champagne and wine. So don't out Jennifer. I'm gonna out her. She loves the champagne. All right, it's well documented that heavy drinking and abusing alcohol can take a serious toll on a person's health, but new research is suggesting that no amount of alcohol consumption is safe for overall physical health. These findings are especially troubling for military <laughs> and veteran communities, which have a significantly higher there's a, a sure consumption representation than their civilian counterparts. Many gravitate towards alcohol as a way to deal with stress, boredom, and loneliness. Um, even more problematic is its ritualization within military and vet. Hold on. Chug, 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 yeah. chug. Within military and veteran communities. Wow. <laughs> what do we think? Uh, I mean, good luck, Jennifer. <laughs> <It's just laughs> like, what? What do you? Okay, there's a. I think there's a specific reason why. If I go to the class six, they don't scan my ID. But if I go to the commissary, they scan my ID because nobody would buy alcohol on base anymore if they scan their stuff. Yeah, and it's you know, and we people are packing it into their cars. I don't know. What about the grog bowl? How do you drink out of a toilet, Jennifer? Filled with random stuff. If if you don't can't drink anymore, I. She's right. I don't know. <laughs> she's right. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, there the risk reward. If is it is it worth living to a hundred if you have to be sober the whole time? I mean, I don't understand. I mean, alcohol causes a lot of issues. People are vaping like chimneys, like like blueberry chimneys. <laughs> uh, but but, you, you know, I don't I've never had any pot or anything like that. Does it have the effects that drinking does? Can it be out of your system sooner? You know, I don't know. Maybe can we swap it with that? Maybe we just completely embrace it. Well, I mean, there's new studies that any anything that you put in your lungs that isn't air can harm the lungs even if it doesn't harm other things okay. so i don't know So we're just going to sit around and just i, do I can't imagine walking into we call it many things now in the american legion some people hate the word bar i call it a bar um if you're in a lounge or a canteen now are we gonna what i'm gonna the word bar what's that is there people that hate the word bar Oh, yeah. You said bar like it was a slur. Oh, it can be. Um, especially, especially people who think that the American Legion has a bad reputation for that. So they, they, they ask us to use other words. My counterpoint would be everyone knows what the other, <laughs> the other words are. If you say canteen, they go, oh, you mean the bar? And I go, yeah, I mean the bar.
Um, Don't swim upstream, American Legion. Go with the flow. <laughs> go with the flow. They're trying to change the flow. Anyway, before we get before we get canceled, let's move on to rapid right. fire number pew 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 three. All right, proud of my devil dogs here. Marines, oorah, outwitted an AI security camera by hiding in a cardboard box. This is from Task and Purpose. Yes, they use they employ the the cat technique. Anyway, artificial intelligence can do a lot. Given large chunks of data, it can process information faster than your average intelligent intelligence analyst can. When it comes to certain things, though, artificial intelligence is apparently still lagging behind. Say it with me. Marine Corps intelligence. The artificial yeah. intelligence in question was developed by Defense Advanced Research Project Agency's DARPA. Squad X program. The technology was designed to maximize a squad's situational awareness while the autonomous system allows squads to increase their battle space and area of influence, according to DARPA. A Marine did not write that sentence, I guarantee it. <laughs> in order to train the artificial intelligence, it needed data in the form of a squad of Marines spending six days walking around in front of it. On the seventh day, they rested. Nope, that's a different book. On the seventh day, though, it was time to put the machine to the test. If any Marines could get all the way in and touch the robot without being detected, they would win. I wanted to see game on. What would happen, said Root in his book. And when the game began, as Root said, eight Marines, not a single one got detected. 100%. Freaking raw success you want to know why the marines are so successful in recruiting cardboard, cardboard boxes box. cardboard <laughs> boxes are about all they will issue to us because they broke they <laughs> what do you think was on the side like amazon <laughs> <laughs> or a bunch of inappropriate things or yeah. that yeah killer cardboard. I killer. <laughs> don't eat it steve i love this story because the Marines use their brain to figure something out in an inexpensive way. Nobody's talking about the cost savings of taking um, cardboard to war. And now we can do that. You know, it's going to cost a lot more as we contract it out. And it's, it's too, but that, that'll be fine. But they use their brains. They didn't go, hey, you know what we should do? Let's just blow it up, which is what I think a Marine's first instinct is. Yeah, I'm sure that was explicitly <laughs> requested them not to just blow it up because they're probably like, well, we could just blow this thing up. This yeah, more DARPA fun. Go, DARPA go boom. I could hear Marine. <laughs> DARPA go boom. So Holly, Holly, Holly suggested that uh, I fill in because this, this is a larger article. When we read these, believe me, they sometimes seem a little long, but I cut and skip. And some of them walked up they just used a branch you put it in front of their face and the ai couldn't tell because it didn't have a regular face or and, and then some put a box and so i mean they did a lot of different things that's why marines coined the term improvise adapt overcome mm -hmm. when other branches try to steal it all they say is adapt and overcome improvise became very important here and uh i love it all right. Do we rapidly? So are we going to rapidly uh, exit? I think. Yeah. 
Do you have any shout outs today? I've got no shout outs except for love for you. I love that. I love love even. Oh. I have a shout out. First, I have two. First, Holly, super producer, she designed these vesty things. You want to show the people? Your, yours yours yep. looks better. You have the white sleeves, separation. I'm wearing a. Let's give you a I mean, just look at that design on that vest. If you're not watching on YouTube, it's, it's probably good because you'd be jealous that we have these and yep. you don't. My second shout out is to my friend in Wisconsin, Becky now Stankovitz. I think I said it right. Uh, she married into that. Uh, it's not her mm. birth name. Yeah, Stankovitz. I just call her Stank. She loves it. Makes it's sense. a thing. She got me this shirt. Oh, this is my commander shirt. So, yeah, yeah I love it. Commander what? Hollywood Post 43 in Hollywood, California, if you're interested. All right. That's our show. What? You think we should go home? Yeah, let's go home. Do we have some things to do first to have the people help us? Um, yeah. Right there? <laughs> <laughs> At the bottom of the page? Hey, everybody. Just remember, this is Ashley's third show. Don't forget to subscribe to the Tango Alpha Lima podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Please leave us a review and give us a big old five-star ratings or I will hunt you down. So the world knows how much you love us. If you have a guest recommendation, go to legion.org forward slash Tango Alpha Lima and click on the suggest a guest link. Suggest them to us so we can talk to them. I love you. Is that how we found you? Did somebody suggest you? Or did Henry hunt you there. down? Or did Henry hunt you down? Oh, I hope he hunted me down. We do. We have it. We, I think a lot of our guests come from the suggest a guest link. So get on there, please, Alphas. Your mission this year, we're going to start this year, is not just to be an alpha yourself. You need to populate the world so that we can make the world a better place, as only people who listen to Tango Alpha Lima can do. We are uniquely qualified, feared, and respected, and we need more of us. So please right. recruit your friends to listen or watch. I prefer watch. I mean, look at Ashley; she's adorable. You, if you're not yeah. getting, if you're not getting a visual, you're not getting the entire Tango Alpha Lima experience. And with that, with that charge, I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to deem season four, episode one, four, four, mission. 